0: Right, I have some quick things to say about the numbers, just really, really quickly. So we have numbers here for the breakfast show, and we're the we're the, we're the original numbers, the best numbers, the numbers <laughs> that many of you have in like lasered onto your brain. But the numbers that we use here are not the same as the numbers that. Are used in other shows.
1: Other oh, shows on Faith FM.
0: Yeah, other shows on Faith FM. So, you know, and that's just the reality of having shows run out of multiple states, which we are incredibly blessed
1: to have. So that means we actually the text numbers. Oh yeah, the text numbers. Yeah. Yes. The- so the, the the number to call is always 1-800-324-843, yeah. but yeah. the text number. The text numbers are different. varies on the different shows.
0: And so that often means is sometimes awkward situations where people will text us in and they're like, "Hey, can we win the quiz for the drive show and our producer shell's like i don't know what you're (laughs) talking about (laughs) because she doesn't produce the drive show the drive show runs from elsewhere but that means uh you know if you want to know what the text numbers are of course they'll be announced on the show but also remember that you can head over to the website faithofm.com.au and you can find the text numbers there easily and you can win your prizes have your say just Get in with any information that you uh, want to get in with. All right, we have a few text messages here. <laughs> Speak of it. Uh, first one is actually relating to your story that you shared this morning, Renee. It says, mm-hmm. "How wonderful will it be uh, for? Uh, how wonderful it will be for all amputees on Resurrection Day when, in the blink of an eye, they will be raised with a perfect body and with the ability to fly. God is good."
1: Mm-hmm. How
0: epic! Yeah, you are gonna be right. You know, I, I'm, I'm a bit like, if I die before Jesus comes back, I'm a bit like, mm, how do I want to go? Because what, what, like, how do I, how do I want my my remains to be dealt with? I'm like, oh, should I be like six feet under? Because then I'll have the experience of like <laughs> bursting through the um. <laughs> I'm bursting through the coffin, or should I be cremated so that I'm scattered around everywhere? And of course God will be recreating me into a new body. So I don't even know if that's gonna happen. But point is is that yeah, for amputees resurrection day, you know, as as uh first Corinthians sixteen says in the blink of an eye, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the last trumpet they'll be resurrected whole, you know, incorruption won't inherit uh won't inherit corruption and corruption no. won't inherit incorruption, but all will be made new. It's gonna be epic.
1: It is, and there is something about having hope um for that for a brighter future mm. um just knowing that like this life and and the way things are mm-hmm. it, it, this isn't permanent and mm-hmm. there is something mm-hmm. better and God is you know God <laughs> just a preacher I love he says at the end of the story God wins and Perfect. victories and and he just like in all the details in our very lives to our, he he's gonna be he's gonna make be making things new and I'm excited mm. for that. Like,
0: yes, yes. You know, as the song goes, heaven is our goal and saving every soul. Mm. Uh, It's just going to be amazing. All right, I have another text message here. God bless the USA Bible controversy is totally politically and religious based reaction. Strong opinion. (laughs) God bless America is a biblical truth. Remember when America goes, uh, sorry, America goes there, goes the world according to prophecy. Another sign that we live in the last days. Did you not see the footage in the riot in Washington, uh, with four black vans with police escorts carrying dozens of Antifa supporters into Congress to cause trouble? <laughs> what we see on the news is what is called propaganda. Heavy stuff there. I will definitely huh. say, like, yeah, this person is making applications of principles that we see in the bible and in kind of doing it by observing the world around us which mm. you know if, if observing events which you know is a is a fair enough thing to do i don't think it's something that can be totally relied on I, but i think the underlying principle is true yes this idea that hey church state religion politics this is the 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 big issue at the end of time mm. worship, legislated worship all the and it's things that we're seeing today, even in Australia like even in Australia we're seeing the issues of church and state, lack of religious uh, freedom, but also promotion of other ideologies and and we also get a picture of the Bible you know this this is a very big statement, but the Bible does say it like that America will be used at the end of time uh, as a power as a religious political power. to to persecute true worship like that is something that we see unfortunately we're not going to be doing a bible study on that today but that is definitely something that we see that is something that we highlight and we pick up from the bible and it's and that's the world that we're heading into so definitely a a very good observation there Uh, last text message that I have here have been listening to creation ministries for over 30 years It it has been a great blessing in my Christian walk in understanding God's creation I recommend all seekers to listen watch or read their presentations they will be a blessing to you epic text message there, supporting out of course the interview that we just had with dr mark harwood oh creation ministries and the amazing work that they're doing and i can say as well like becoming becoming a christian from the outside there was heaps of questions that i had mm-hmm. i think many of them I, I i initially dismissed because i was like well you know if i can read about a god in the bible that can tell you know predict thousands of the years of the future you know there's so much testable and observable evidence in prophecy that i was like okay you know it kind of changed my uh my my predisposition of how i looked at at the universe anyway but then furthermore to get those questions answered like oh is there actually a, a scientific method that you know uh promotes what the bible is saying that 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 uh, is consistent with what the bible is saying and we are finding uh, you know according to creation ministries and the amazing work that they're doing that yeah, yeah. there is yeah. epic stuff all right that's all the text messages we have this morning we are going to get into our bible study let's go to jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34 so before we read this i just have to intro this week's topic we are talking all about the new covenant we've been talking about all sorts of things uh, over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh the sign of the covenant being being the sabbath You know how God uses the covenant, all these different things. But now we're specifically focusing on the new covenant, what it is, and the application it has to us today. Obviously, we are under the new covenant today. Uh, What does it mean for us? Let's read Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34. If you can get that for us, Renee.
1: Sure. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says God. Uh, I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on my on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins.
0: Mm, epic stuff. Now, this is a passage that we have considered a few times during you know our time talking about the covenant, because this is really like the definition of the new covenant for us today. Uh, powerful stuff. But I, okay, I want to ask you some questions, Renee. Quiz, quiz time. <laughs> quiz time. Oh, don't you love that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, quiz. All right. So the first question, like I have here, I want to ask about the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, first question, who instigates those covenants?
1: I think God.
0: Yeah. yeah, right? Who is against the covenants? God. Very clear here. It's the Lord who comes forth.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, you see in verse
0: 31, the, the, when he, the, the phrase, when I will make. Mm. When I will make a new covenant. The behold the days are coming when I will make. God is the one coming forth. He is instigating this covenant. He also instigates the old covenant as well. Yeah. Is God who comes forth to the people and he says, you know, I've saved you from the land of Egypt. Uh, but okay. Next question I have for you, Renee. What, what law is being talked about here? It says he's going to write the laws on their heart. What, what are we talking about here?
1: I, ooh, okay. Which I'm going to bri- put my instructions deep with them. I will write them on their hearts. Mm. Um, uh, I think, okay, I'm going to go with the easy answer, like the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Good job. Good <laughs> Yay! job. Yay! What do I win? This, again, again uh, Satisfaction. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we see here again, like, writing the laws on their heart, the law being involved in this covenant here. This was also, you know, involved in the Old Covenant as well. God's laws, the Ten Commandments. Next verse we have here. Ver- uh, sorry, not not, not ne- ne- next. Ooh. Not next verse. It is definitely a Monday morning. Not <laughs> next verse. Next uh, question we have here. Which verses uh, or which statements in here, um, you know, show us what God wants from his people?
1: Um, I think verse 34 would say um, what he wants from them is that they know him. He Mm. wants them all to know him, though, Mm. um, because he says that they will not need to teach their neighbors or teach their Mm -hmm. relatives, saying you need to know God. He says they will know me already.
0: Mm. Mm. They will know him. Ah, That's powerful. Hey, I think to even further dive into the relational aspects of of what God is requiring from his people that, you know, when he writes their laws and their hearts, it seems as though he's calling them to connection with him. This is like the the big well. This is the big point of the covenant as a whole, and we've talked about this. You know, getting rid of sin Mm. so that they can be in communion together. Now, this was also the outcome of the old covenant as well. Mm. Uh and okay, let's have another question. Okay, last question. I'm going to ask you. I I I love asking you questions. You know, I love really. You're a theology student. (laughs) You're a a theology student. (laughs) Okay, what act of God? in behalf of his people, forms the basis of his covenant relationship. What gives God the right to come and say, okay, I'm, I'm forming. What did God do that's like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, I'm forming a covenant with you because. Mm.
1: This is interesting. I like it because all throughout, the, this is a major theme in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why um, the answer to this, to this question is because he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Bible is like everything that God, you know, he keeps on bringing uh-huh. back. I am the Lord God, the, the, the one who brought you, who led you out of Egypt. Mm. I love the language here. It says, I love them as a husband loves a wife. I took them by the hand. Um, that's just such a beautiful picture, mm. vis- visual picture um, that God says, you know, mm. says to his people.
0: No, that's epic. Yeah, it's, you find it all over the place. As you were saying, this idea that God is freeing from slavery. And again, this is another, this is the basis of the covenant, but this is another result of the covenant. And the result of this covenant is in the ultimate sense that they're freed from the slavery and from the oppression and from the enemy of sin. Mm. Uh, but all throughout the Bible, you see God doing the work first. And the point I'm just trying to make here is that in the old covenant and the new covenant, all of these questions have the same answers. You know, God is the one instigating the covenant. The The covenant that the law revolves around is his law. Uh, You know, the verses, uh, like, the point of the covenant, the relational aspect of the covenant, is that God wants to be in communion with his people again. That's the result of the covenant. Uh, and that it's because God released his people from slavery, that's what kind of... Is the basis of the covenant, or gives them evidence that God is continuing, or going to be a part of this covenant. You know, that's this is God's aspect, and and there's so many more promises that God adds to that covenant. You know, you mm-hmm. see the promises of to Abraham. You know, land, descendants, that the whole world through him will be blessed. Uh, these would all all uh, aid the covenant coming forth to the people. Ultimately, yeah, I'm trying to make the point that these covenants aren't so different.
1: The new and the old covenant yeah. are pretty much almost the same. Pretty
0: much almost the same. So
1: why is it called the new covenant? Yeah,
0: exactly. Covenant. This is the big question, which we're going to kind of get into this week. But right now, okay, I want to focus on another verse. Just turn a bit of a corner in our Bible study. Let's go to chapter uh, to Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans. Uh, let's head over to the New Testament. Uh, book of Romans. Book of Romans. Uh, of course, if you're you're following your Bible, it goes Acts. Romans are gonna to go to chapter two. Man, you're so fast. I'm really slow at turning Bible pages. I don't know I don't know what it is. I get scared that I'm gonna I'm gonna jump it. Whereas I've seen some people they're just like bam, ninjas bro. Alright, uh, let's let's start in Romans two let's let's go like verse one to three.
1: You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For it is for you who judge others do the very same things, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things?
0: Mm. Okay, this is a very heavy uh Very heavy verse. It's
1: like, why are you condemning others because you're doing the same thing? Hypocrites, uh-huh.
0: and you will be condemned. Mm. Like, and then furthermore, you will be condemned. I also want to make the point here that that the new covenant, because this is the this is the book of Romans. Like, this is the book that Paul is writing to the Gentile world. Like, in its, you know, he's, ta- he, there are very much themes throughout here that are very Jewish, and he's explaining to them, oh, how, how Gentiles and our spiritual Jews and all these different things, but this is very New Covenant-centric. Like, this isn't like in the Old Testament, and people would like to read this and say, this, oh, this judgment and justice, this is very Old Testament. No, I, no this
1: is like... No, you're right. This is
0: the Romans. Because he's this-
1: writing to the Church of Rome, which is composed of Jewish, Jews, and Rome, and Gentiles, like Gentiles. The, the
0: center of the Gentile yes. world—that's who he's writing yeah. to, and he's like, "Oh, and you'll be judged." Yeah, and it's, this is like, and this is what we see as the the other side of the covenant. You know, what the result of not keeping the covenant, mm. um, the result of not being a part of the covenant, is the same. This is the next point I wanted to make. Again, it's very very similar. Uh, you don't see because because again, people love to make the point. Oh, law and grace. Yeah, first covenant, that's all about law, judgment, you don't keep the law, you judge New Covenant, it's grace, it's love. No. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that well love was the basis for both covenants because God had brought his people out of the land of Egypt. He had freed them from slavery, he is loving them, he is blessing them, he is you know, providing for them in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Opposite, you know, the, the the result of not following that covenant, of not upholding that agreement, is what we see here in, in Romans chapter 2, both in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant. It's judgment, it's justice, and it's, you know, ultimate and certain death and destruction.
1: Yeah, there's justice and there's mercy, which works hand in hand together. Mm, mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, while there is justice and destruction, there is also restoration Mm. in the same time, in the same breath. So, yeah, I agree.
0: 100%. Let's skip down to Romans chapter 2. Let's read from verse 12. Let's read a couple verses there to uh, to get more of an idea of how this works. So, let's read like 12 to basically, yeah, 12 to, to 16.
1: When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they had never uh, had God's written law. And Jews who do have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Mm. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without even uh, having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. I,
0: okay, I love this passage. I I was just actually, you know, I read this before the show, and I'm like, oh, this would be great to put in the show, but now I'm like, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, there's some amazing things that the Bible is saying here. Mm. Okay, on first glance, people would, you know, and this gets brought up by non-religious people all the time kind of people who are anti to christianity like how can god judge people who don't know him what are you saying that a man living in the mountains in tibet who doesn't know god has never heard the name of jesus is going to end up in hell because he doesn't proclaim that god is good and god here is making provision for all these people this also shows us of, of you know the living god that we believe in Mm. you know we don't believe in a deistic god a faraway god you know we're quickly running out of time here i'm going to talk about this after the song break but this really shows us how god is involved in our lives personally and in the world you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Awesome stuff. Let's get back into our Bible study. Can you read for us verse 12 again?
1: Yes, so Romans 2, verse 12. And it says, When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it.
0: Mm. Uh, my Bible translation here, New King James, I love, it's very poetic. It says for as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and as many have sinned with the law will be judged by the law. Now it uses the word perish in my Bible but it, it stipulates in, in the NLT that you have in front of you. It, like as the NLT does, it gives, it, you know, it gives a bit more of an in-depth insight of every verse you're reading. It's It's doing a th- Thought for thought for translation, it's correctly translating that verse and saying that when it's when my Bible says they perish without the law, it's that they're perishing ultimately, that they're judged ultimately without the law. And now people would say like, oh wait, how how is that fair? Like how how do some people perish without the law? Some people perish with the law. And furthermore, doesn't the Bible say that if you're ignorant of the law, then you know you are not. Uh, you know, sin, you can sin in ignorance and it's okay, essentially. Like if you, if the God is very clear, like s- sin in ignorance is not sin, mm. you know, uh, in, in an ultimate sense. Like if you are ignorant that something is sin, that is, is not sin. But it makes this point here, like, no, if you perish without the law, like you, you are judged without the law. If you perish with the law, you're judged with the law. Everyone comes before judgment. It makes the point that those who have the law of God, you know those who have the law of god uh, who have been exposed to the law of god who have been exposed to god who who are you know they've heard it they've believed it they're judged by it yes um
1: so because in verse 15 though it says that they demonstrate that god's law is written on their hearts like we mm-hmm. all have a conscience we all know that 100% stealing is wrong lying is yes. wrong killing people is wrong we all know that we have that yep. that conscience within our soul uh, within our heart sorry um so yeah, I like that God has put that in our in our yes hearts, in everyone. Like we have His His law in us, a- mm.
0: but he, yeah, He makes provision for everyone to be judged fairly, mm. and that's because like okay, the law can be placed within our hearts, and we can be informed of the law. Like like uh, as Paul says, you know, I wouldn't w- know what covetousness was without the law of God. Yet there's this reality that God writes the law in our hearts. And I think this is how how this works, is that God reveals the law to us, but then he does a work of working in our hearts and helping us to be able to abide by it. And I think for secular people, you know, let's bring up the story of the man who lives in the mountains and has never heard of the name of Jesus. But he lives in a country that has laws. And one of those laws would be to not steal, which is very much a biblical idea. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Another one of the laws of the country lives in is to not murder. Again, another biblical idea, very much a part of the of the of the law of God, of the covenant. You know, uh, these kinds of things that. When we are, like, before I was a Christian, it was made very clear to me that stealing is wrong. Mm. It was made very clear to me that murder is wrong. Mm. And because of that, you know, as it's a godly ideal, and I understand it, and my conscience is pricked, um, that, okay, this is a wrong thing to do. This is morally wrong. Then God fully has the right to judge me on it. Yeah. Just like just like uh, God has the right to judge those who have heard the law and disobey it and as we read before at the start of uh romans chapter 2 um as we read at the start of romans chapter 2 uh where we saw that god does judge god does judge according to the law, the outcome of not being a part of the covenant and of not keeping the covenant is judgment and perishing and death uh these are things that we're going to kind of get into over the next couple of days but i want to kind of close out a bible study with this idea that just as much as the Gentiles and and those who don't know God and also those who do know God are judged with and without the law, I believe that God makes provision for all of them to be saved too. Mm. Just like the Tibetan man is up in the hills and he, you know, has never heard the name of Jesus. He never has the opportunity to repent. God sees his situation and makes provision for him. In fact, you know, people have gone so far as to say, oh, you know, Jesus is baptized, the Bible says, to fulfill all righteousness. (laughs) And they make the point that, oh, well, you know, to us, it seems, and I, I would be inclined to agree with them that there are those throughout history who won't have the opportunity or the ability to get baptized, either because they don't know what baptism is, or they make a decision for God on the deathbed. But God makes provision for them. God makes provision for righteousness to be fulfilled. And we see the same thing here. The provision that God makes is that he gives it, puts everyone in a situation and, uh, to learn at least partially what his law is. Yeah. But then, furthermore, he writes it in their hearts. Like God is a working and living God, yeah. writing the law on their hearts, mm-hmm. and he also gives them the op You know, he sees people' con- people's consciousness. Uh, he they're conscious. You know, when we are feel genuinely sorry for our sin, we go to God and we repent. Mm-hmm. And we lay our sin, we lay our unrighteousness at, our, at his feet and he cleanses us, leads us to unrighteousness mm-hmm. and then furthermore does a work in, in our heart. But I've heard many testimonies of secular people who who haven't found God but they make the point, oh, you know, I left a life of, you know, doing drugs. I left a life of prostitution. I left a life of this because, you know, something touched me and said this is wrong and they've, they've turned their life around and now we earnestly pray that those people would find the source mm-hmm of their change, which is which is God. Mm. But God makes provision for them. God does make provision for them. Now, how that works out in the end and who is saved and who is lost, we don't know. God knows. We can't tell if someone's committed the unpardonable sin. We can't tell if someone's rejected God. But God will always be striving with them, always be working with them because God doesn't want people, see judge, people to be judged. He doesn't want to see people judged, rather. God uh, would rather that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So it's powerful. It's powerful the things that God does here, the the promises that he makes, that he will be writing the laws on our heart. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Text message I got here. God wants to bring, uh, God wants his people to bring the rest of the world to him, but they let God down by sin. Oh, that is a very... Very heavy uh text message kind of pointing out what we were talking about. Like there it's unfortunate that mm. those uh that there are those people who will never hear about God, but God makes provision for them but God would much rather that they hear about him. Yeah. But unfortunately yeah. sometimes the message doesn't go out because of the broken messengers. That's it. Thankfully God can work through those messages mm-hmm. and the message does get out. But right now, uh what is it time for? Well,
1: let it's, me tell it's, you. It's,
0: time. it's
1: time for <laughs>
0: It's time for what? we can do it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wait, 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 wait. You it's do it. Just... It's time for <laughs> Question, question of, of the, the day. It's okay,
0: producer shell's <laughs> looking a bit disappointed because she she gets to the button. It's okay. okay. Okay, question of
1: the day today is what is our question of the day? Oh well, well, well. Let me tell you the question of the day when this thing <laughs> when my iPad fixes itself. Okay. What does Jesus mean by blessed are the poor in spirit? This question comes from Freco.
0: Okay. Thank you, Freco. Oh, that is a really good question. Um, because on the surface, when it, when you read, okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. Is Jesus saying that those who are faithless are blessed? Like, uh, it doesn't Jesus call us to have faith? And it's like when we don't have faith, that's a bad thing. But he's saying faith. People are
1: blessed. What is happening here? What Lord is happening
0: here? Now there is a little bit of contention about bless- blessed, blessed of the poor in spirit, because when you read it in the the beatitudes, this uh, is given in uh, Matthew chapter five and verse three in the in the beatitudes. There's seven of the there, mount. On the mount. Mm. Um, this is also restated in the beatitudes in Luke chapter six, and where it says, "Just blessed are the poor." And people are like, "Oh, you know, is that right to say blessed are the poor in spirit? Is it just supposed to be blessed uh, you know, those who are monetarily poor?" <laughs> um, you know, because because the because it goes on it says blessed are the poor in spirit for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so people are like, "Oh, is this about monetary wealth?" And I would actually say, I would say no. Uh, I, you know, because when it says blessed are the poor in spirit, here it's followed by uh, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who meek, and then blessed are those who, who hunger. And now, blessed are those who hunger uh, is actually blessed are the meek, and blessed are uh, those who are um, who mourn aren't included in the Luke six account. Uh, but what is included is blessed are who hunger. And I think hunger represents poverty better than, than, uh, and, and if we see here it's blessed are the poor in spirit, I would say, okay, in Luke it's also saying blessed are the poor in spirit. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Now, I want to just show you a Bible story, a parable that Jesus gives that represents this so well. It doesn't mean someone who's faithless. It doesn't mean someone who is, you know, uh, doesn't, just doesn't believe in God. Oh, blessed are them. No, check it out. It says here, this is a parable that Jesus says, it says two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, God, I thank you that I am not like, you know, all these other people, extortioners, unjust adulterers and tax collectors. I fast twice a week, twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me. I am a sinner. And Jesus says... I tell you, this man went down into his house justified rather than the other. The, the tax collector was more justified than the, um, than the Pharisee. And I believe the reason is, and this is all relates back to blessed are the poor, is when we recognize our poor spiritual state, that we need Jesus. Yeah. That is when God can work in our life and bless us and we can inherit the kingdom of heaven because we fall at his feet. We come to him and we say, Lord, we are poor in spirit. We need you just as the tax collector did here. So yeah, powerful stuff. Thank you for listening to question of the day. We're going-
1: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.